And now, coming to you live from the Gershwin Room, high above the Coot Street Motel 6, it's Jonathan Strahan and Gary K. Wolf with longtime friend of the f- podcast and recipient of the World Fantasy Bram Stoker International Horror Guild and World Ho- Horror Grandmaster Lifetime Achievement Awards. It's Peter Straubon, the Coot Street Podcast! Uh, oh, oh, I love to wait till. Like, Was that great, like, Peter? It's on orchestra, really. It's just it's <laughs> endless. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't even need me anymore from here. You're all on your own. <laughs> no, you were. No, and, the, and the only opening line I had was "longtime friend of the podcast," and you use that. So, Peter's, but Peter's just a longtime friend. But the reason, think, the re- at this point, I think you guys should say "one-time friend of the podcast" because it's been so long since they had me on. <laughs> well, really. You're sadly overdue, yes, a, a sadly overdue return, but ha- but, but wonderful to have you back. With us. Welcome back, Peter. <laughs> well, thanks. It's very nice to be back, and um, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be talking to you. Yes, we Here weren't inviting you back. We weren't inviting you back on the podcast because we wanted to put pressure on you to do a retrospective collection of your best stories, uh, and it worked. You finally have published just a few days ago, Interior Darkness, uh, which is now available everywhere from Doubleday. And it's time we talked about some of those stories, I think. But congratulations, you've been getting some great reviews. Uh, I think the the, the Kirkus Reviews and the Washington Post and the um, Associated Press and... uh, Anyway, it seems to be... uh, Just you wait, though, until... until the selective best of my podcasts come, comes out here. <laughs> you can see what I've really been up to. <laughs> lay them in the aisles. And However, actually, yeah, actually have- in the meantime, um, and 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 the reception um, has been very uh, gratifying. Uh, I like everybody, as is the case with with every, almost everybody who lives in America, and this is the case. With everybody who lives in New York City or close to it, I've been uh, very much hoping to see a, a review in, in in the New York Times, but I, I I don't think I'm going to, and that's a bit of a a, a letdown. But um, I can live, and uh, you know there 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 have been enough really good ones to pretty much make up for that. Well, I think a lot of people have been waiting for it. But uh, do you get this response? I know you were yeah, you were doing this uh, public thing in Brooklyn uh, that a number of readers simply think of you as a novelist, and and it's been a few years since you've had a collection of stories out. Yeah, oh, it has. It's been a long time, and uh, it was always about ten years in in between collections, anyhow. Um, I think a lot of people know know some of these stories uh, from you know from for, from the books or from from their having been an, anthologized. But right. it is nice. It is very very nice to think of reaching read readers who didn't know much about them or are um, unaware of them or un, 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 unprepared in some sense. Uh, to uh, to come to terms with them, some of them do require a little c- coming to terms with. I'm afraid <laughs> some some of them are not are not 
some of these stories are not what one of our local reviewers sometimes calls a joyful romp. Um, no, I, I don't think there's a joyful romp in the book. No, there's a little bit of fun here and there, and and well, and, every, and then the author can be seen distantly through several grubby windows to be romping. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a, a wild rumpus in the background. Yes, uh, it, it, it is kind of add 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 a remove. But um, I mean, I think in um, Mr. Club and Mr. Cuff, for example, that's that's probably the best example. Uh, there is a lot of uh, actual fun on the page. I'm, I'm go ahead, Jonathan. I'm curious, how Peter did you? What what led to you deciding to put together a selected stories at the moment? I mean, you, you've had a lot, you know, a long career so far. You've written a, 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 you know, short stories sporadically throughout your, your career. You've had yeah. acclaimed collections out, you know, as you say, about once a decade or so. There must have been a process what, that, that led to you deciding to, to do this. Right. Uh, that is really true. I um, uh, It's been a while. Um, it's been a while since I published anything, and, and I wanted to have, um, as... Ned Roram said once about a, a composition. I, I I wanted to have something new in the shop window, um, and uh, you know I'm not getting younger. I'm I'm slowing down, and it seemed uh, it seemed a nice time to have kind of a a, a retrospective uh, look back. I really wanted. Um, to 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 do a complete story, stories, uh, and then my agent um, informed me that that would really be two volumes. I think Gary probably told me that too, and that of course would would, would make it impossible <laughs> because my my publisher is not a philanthropic, you know, <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it'd be hard to justify. Um, but I just I I just like the idea I like the idea of uh, putting some of my strongest work out there to remind people of um, who, who I am and what I do you know um, to um, to kind of reawaken people's attention a bit sure. and uh, you know it's it it. it 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 just seemed seemed to me that the the time the time was right. Yeah. Uh, so so what was the process? I mean, how was it going back? Did you go back and reread all of your stories, or or are they mostly selected from recollection and uh, review and whatever? Pretty much because I I, I remember them pretty well, uh, and what I did was of course look through the three. Volumes that that I have, and and uh, to check out and see what I had that had not been collected, and to sift out um, the stuff that 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 it was uh, too playful or kind of second wave of um, inspiration or work done a little bit with the left hand, um, so 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 that I was. Uh, choosing only from kind of pr- primary work 
that that I had intended intended quite seriously and spent uh, significant time on, um, and uh, and uh, I of course had to take into account which which um, which of these stories I really liked, yeah. uh, which ones mm-hmm. spoke to me the most, and which ones had had meant the most to me when I was doing them. Even at that kind of loose level of, um, um, you know, judgment, there was way too much stuff. And so I was, <laughs> I had what maybe not the really unhappy uh, uh, matter of cho- choosing between stories uh, that all, all of whom I liked. Uh, and, and that turned out to be really uh, a question of balance. Um, there, were, there were stories that shared common themes, and I didn't want to overload the, the, the book with stories about a, a, about a certain kind of action or about you know, a certain set of values. And... Um, you know, which meant some sometimes that uh, I I I I perforce had to choose stories that repeated a, a, another set sure. of actions. Sure. Um, what I'm what well, I'm what I'm trying to be delicate about, but but I'm not at all being delicate about <laughs> is I had to choose uh, when it came down in the end. I had to choose between two stories about a little boy getting sexually abused in a movie theater or two stories that were cent- centrally involved with torture. And you can't win. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose No matter true. which one you choose, some, some reader or some reviewer is going to say, there's something really um, uh, strange about this lad here. <laughs> there's, there's something up here that we'd better t- take a look at. Anyhow, I decided well, in the, that, that uh, the childhood abuse was maybe a little too much yeah. um, to to, uh, to to endure twice. So I asked my readers to luxuriate in the facts of torture. Twice. <laughs> Were there any surprises for you looking back over, back at your work like that, Peter? <laughs> what? Were there any surprises for you looking back over your short story uh, output? There were there were surprises that you can't see. I I I, I was surprised by how, how much stuff I how 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 many short, short, short stories I'd written kind of playfully in in response to in invitations. How much uh, work I'd done quickly for things like conference, um, you know, booklets, um, you know, and. Other sorts of ephemera, uh, st- stuff that would have to be really, really good to, to make it into a book like this. Mm. And if if I were to do a collected book, I, I do I, I I would include maybe three uh, pieces like that, but but that would be it. Yeah. I think the other thing that uh, is evident in the book is um, that you've been doing a little bit more experimental. Interesting, strange things that uh, yeah. that, that that readers of um, even the earlier collections wouldn't know about. I mean, I, I completely recognized what you said about 
stories that they're, they're very different stories, but obviously you'll hear from some of your fans, including myself, that there were stories that we liked that aren't there. But yeah. uh, I'm sorry. we do have this. Yeah. Well, you do have the juniper tree. There, there's a kind of theme that runs through. You've got a couple of a, a number of stories that allude in various ways to fairy tales and folk tales. Um, yeah. And a number of them connect to your novels in various ways. This one story, which is which is not there, which I think is excellent, is is called "Bunny is Good Bread." But the juniper yeah. tree—I don't know if it's a better story, but it it's a better story about a writer. It's a better story about a writer. Also, it has the other um, jewel-like quality, which is that it's a lot shorter. <laughs> uh, well, that's the, the other thing. Tree, I mean, there, the juniper tree is eighty pages long, or yeah. or. or or longer, and I, I was um, advised g- gently to um, con- consider the idea of space. You know, how much space I, I'm, I, I thought I was entitled to take up. They didn't put it that way. <laughs> no, but, 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 but again, I, you mentioned Mr. Club and Mr. Cup, Cuff, which I think is the longest piece in the book. And yeah, I want to keep that. Well, that, no, you would have had you would have had villagers with torches had you with, with torches had you left that one out. I, I, I think I remembered. You may have heard this too, but I think Ellen Dadlow told me when she uh, put that in her year's best tour that it was the longest story she had ever accepted for her annual. Um, I know. She also told told me that she had to uh, throw out like two other stories that she previously accepted. Mm. So she really, uh, she really believed in it, and um, I was very, very grateful to her. I mean, because it's a, it's a big commitment to uh, choose that story and to run with that story. I, I, I didn't feel I had a choice really because I think it is one of um, my best things, one of the things I'm proudest of, and one of the things I wish most to preserve in, in, in a collection of this kind. And it's a very disturbing story, but as you say, it has a, I don't, it, it has a voice which is, um, almost a, almost stately, I guess, or almost yeah, pretentious, almost stately, but 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 a little overblown, uh, you know, a little too plush, and uh, every now and then, um, in possession of uh, a recognizable error. So you know that the guy talking isn't quite in command of his own dignity. Um, he 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 thinks he is. Uh, you know, I've I've used this. I've used variations of of, of that voice from time to time, and I, I always get a great deal of pleasure uh, fr- from it. John John Crowley um, reading this book wrote me very kindly and and said I don't know how you do this voice and and how 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 you do it so perfectly anyhow I thought that was really really generous and kind of John and 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 of course it made me feel good um since I I I respect him hugely or as Donald Trump would say hugely <laughs> <laughs> it's huge. Well, he's, he, huge he is certainly one of our Brilliant users of language in our field. And, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but, 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 but the thing that's interesting also about that voice, which is 
uh, which I, I suppose it echoes a little bit Melville because Bartleby the Scrivener is is alluded That's, to in the story and yeah. and has similar. But all but then the story as it moves for people who haven't read it very briefly. Actually, the outline is very simple. You have a uh, a suspicious husband who hires two very mysterious detectives who come across almost as a 1930s comedy team initially yeah, to get revenge and, on his on his wife helpful. and her lover. And the seller Tweedledum and Tweedledee, or who yeah. who was who was the first little fat guy with the bowler hat? Oh, Hercule uh, Poirot. No, the the comedian in the in in, in the comedy oh, team. Chaplin. Yeah, no, the the little fat guy with Laurel the close. Hardy. Laurel, Oliver Hardy. Hardy. Yeah. I mean yes. Laurel and Hardy. Right. He was like Oliver. They 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 were both like Oliver Hardy. Um it just struck me as funny. I mean, I I I like the idea. I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know where their voices but, came from because they speak in in a particular um, um, lingo that that isn't uh, you know fake nineteenth century, it's uh, it's 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 a macaroni of uh, cliches and uh, fresh invention um, of uh, cr- crazy uh, levels of diction all all jumbled up. Um, and they will, of course, say anything. Uh, so yeah. they were irresistible uh, to, to but me. But this is what you do to your readers, uh, just to talk about, because this is one of my favorite stories as well. And it's it, it does begin with this pretentious sort of small-town uh, New England patriarchal yeah. voice, and it introduces these comic characters. And then at some point, they start doing things to the narrator that there's one, I think, I hope I'm quoting the right uh, story, but there's one line in it which I find absolutely chilling, which has to do with dental floss. Oh, dental and, floss, yes. It is the razor wire Okay, the razor wire of everyday life, that's a good line. But there's a point <laughs> at which the story, there's a point at which the story begins to look like, um, um, oh, that Japanese horror director we've talked about, the, the guy who did Audition and... Um, uh, I didn't hear that. It starts to look. It starts to look like what? Some of it sounds like that. The work of the Japanese director who did Audition and is it Miyiki? Is oh, that his name? Yeah. Oh, Miike. Yeah. Okay, Miike. Because some it. of the well, his movies are unpleasant and disturbing in a way that this story gets for a moment, but it never stays in the same tonal register. For very long, yeah. Well, that's true, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a journey. I mean, it, it was a journey when I was writing it. It 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 had to be, be because it's so long, and it took like two or three months uh-huh. to do. So you're, you know, w- w- with that kind of time time involved, you're not going to wind up in the same place where you started. Or if you do as I kind of did, you're 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 going to take a long, long detour in in, in between. Um, you know, it was uh, it was it was it was a bit of a ride. Is is is, is all I can say. <laughs> yeah. I remember the pleasure. I remember the pleasure of um, 
thinking of it uh, initially, I, I remember the pleasure and, and a bit of the trepidation and confusion uh, of beginning it with that kind of language. And uh, almost immediately I realized uh, that I was going to end it with that same tone, but that all hell was going to break loose in the middle. Uh-huh. So I knew I was kind of... the other issues going kind of I, uh, yeah we don't need to go through every story but you use the word taking us for a ride which raises another story which is the I guess next to most recent story in novella which the ballad of Ballard and Sandrine oh, yeah. Yeah. appeared from our friend uh, our friend at Subterranean Press uh, Bill yeah. Schaefer and, and what's interesting about that is that there's a there's a range in the book of, and a range in your work in general, of horror which is really unsettling, but not at all supernatural. Um, right. And nothing really supernatural happens in Mr. Club and Mr. Cuff. No. And yet, when you move to Ballard and Sandrine, that you could read that as pretty much a fantasy story. Yeah, it is kind of. Um, at one point, uh, uh, good old Ballard is quite a, a figure, after all is looking through a porthole and he sees himself yeah. leaning against the railing outside and he's it's a he's he's about ten, 10 years younger he admires the way he looks he looks just absolutely spruce and beautifully dressed and in charge of himself and he knows uh, to what extent that this is a performance you know he he he, he loves the glimpse of um the uh, of the effects that he had been able to create, and also he, it doesn't seem to bother him that he's seeing himself <laughs> literally see, seeing seeing himself uh, standing there from a, a, a decade earlier. Um, the there is a kind of um, unquiet fantasy aspect to to this story in which the 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 past is always moving around. In the scuppers, you know, be, uh-huh. behind the curtains, and the characters every, every now and then say, say 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 to one another, "Didn't we do this before?" And sometimes one, one will say, "No, we're not supposed to talk about that," or or he'll yeah, say, no, "Yeah, no. but we we did it before, but it was better the last time." <laughs> um, I but if, to if, tell if, you, I can't explain it. That's just what they say. <laughs> <laughs> well, would would you would you be able to place that story in a genre? Uh, um, you know, I don't. It 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 it, it probably f- fits into a genre of river journey stories. You know, <laughs> I I suspect that's a genre. Like 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 the heart of darkness, but probably or in uh, well, actually, this is quite accurate. But in in uh, the great Richard Hughes novel, The Wooden Shepherdess, uh, everybody's on a boat going through through the south, and they get off at a mansion, and and there's a sort of Gatsby world around them. Um, it's uh, it's it's breathtaking, you know. There, Hitler's in the attic. <laughs> uh-huh. All this strange, strange stuff is boiling up, and yet here we have this great little journey on this um, marvelous little plantation. 
I think. Um, uh, there is a, a, a genre, River Journeys, I'm sure. Um, but but it's, I mean, my tr- truest answer to that would be it's in the genre known by my name, which I feel I've been inventing for decades. Um, because it isn't really like an, anybody else's work, especially that story. Um, no. it, 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 it very much... Uh, li- listens to its own. It, it obeys its own internal winds, and and it, it listens to its own internal m- music. Um, and very little of it comes from elsewhere. Um, what where it really c- comes from is a little note that I made in a bound journal sometime in the eighties. While I was doing something else, uh, probably writing mystery, or or if not mystery, the throat, uh, I, I I took a fresh journal of the sort, sort that I always use them, of which I pulled plenty left over because my hand, handwriting uh, turned into cat scratching. Um, Boorman Pease journals are really beautiful, and on 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 the front page. Of a of a clean fresh one, I wrote. Two lovers torture each other on a journey down the Amazon, and I thought someday I don't know why why I thought this, but I thought maybe that would be worth doing. And way way later, I mean, uh, right you know two days ago, in in, in effect. I, I saw that again by accident, and as I was b- between projects and didn't really quite know what to do, I I, I thought I'd, I'd I'd give that one a whirl. It still kind of mm-hmm. spoke to me, though. What I wrote in the present day was probably a little less abusive to the reader than what I would have written in the eighties. I think I'm a little more elusive. Mm. You know, uh, okay. There is very little that's uh, really on on camera. It's all it's it's all described. Uh, Club 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 and cuff described to the this uh, rather nasty man exactly what they did to his wife and her lover, but 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 it's all in free for all. Verbal macaroni, you know. Yeah, it's it's not it's not presentational. It's not looked at through uh, third third person prose, uh, through the window of of third third person prose, which is probably what I would have done um, in my uh, late thirties, I think. Though who knows, really? Anyhow, it it still had enough. This little germ still had enough juice, so so uh, when I didn't have anything else to do, I thought I'd do it, and and I thought I was very glad that I had had decided to do it because I because it did take me some some somewhere that I hadn't thought thought I was going to go. Well, that's something that uh, I'm fascinated by the by, by by the notion that you've gone from abusing your readers to to being elusive. Which, which it occurs to me, something that does happen uh, a, a little bit. I mean, what I'm trying to get at, what I'm interested with that story, is 
how much what we call horror or for convenience literary horror yeah. and I, yeah. I I've told you I, and and what we call fantasy because uh, it seems to me that that the horror field to some extent over the decades is withdrawn into itself and to some extent the other related fields like fantasy and science fiction have have kind of left it to its own devices for example uh, I'm sure the one question you get more than anything else is about the uh, the talisman and black house but one yeah. of the things you don't see discussed about those novels is that they are classic epic quest fantasies yeah they are that's right they, are, they don't get discussed as fantasies why is that you got me there are readers who who see that very clearly especially in the case of uh, the talisman the with black house we we very consciously wanted to write more of a horror novel and it is way yeah. darker and grimmer right. than the talisman um oddly the authors are not darker and grimmer than they were <laughs> <laughs> we're you know we're, we're positively lighter compared to the way we were then at least in my case i don't know you know it's a uh, it's certainly connected the fable that's that story yeah. Some, some, somewhere at, at, at its heart, it's rather fable-like. Um, it isn't exactly. It cannot be read as conventional mimetic realism, though. Mm-hmm. Though it acts as though it, it were, but it, it goes toward a kind of. Uh, it goes toward a sort of magic, toward an ecstatic moment uh, that that is a pure resolution. Um, my thoughts again turn toward Crowley, as I suppose they sometimes do, who said that for a long time he tried to figure out what that story was. And he went through all sorts of, you know, arcane proposals to himself until finally said, in the end I decided it was just a love story. It's about these two people who really love each other (laughs) and and Uh act in this particular way. And and I thought to myself, well, bingo, John Crowley, you have hit upon it because that is exactly what it is. It's um, it's about you know two two people who found each other, and um, they have their flaws, but uh, they they uh, they satisfy each other's needs, and they're they're not negligible human beings. Each other's needs are a little bit. What many people would think of as kinky, I guess, in the story. Oh, kinky, um, yeah, yeah, sure. But at the same time, you're making it sound uh, less visionary, I guess, than it is. I mean, it is that it is about a couple, various periods in their relationship. They're on the Amazon. Uh, it, it moves back and forth in time. You didn't mention the fact that there are piranhas that seem to enjoy eating Victorian novels. Oh yeah, they, yeah, they love Dickens. <laughs> they love Dickens, or or, or, or the crew like members blew in the bindings, so uh-huh. gives them a very satisfying meal. But they <laughs> eat every they eat every scrap, every every you know sentence, sentence and semicolon, <laughs> <laughs> and they do it fast too, man. <laughs> you, you can count on a piranha to get through a book in a hurry. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, Gary's brought up the idea of genre a couple of times, and you've mentioned John Crowley raising it. When yeah. you're writing your short fiction, or your fiction generally, how no. important are considerations of genre to you, or is that something you, to some degree, have either internalized or 
find after you're complete, you've completed working? That's that's a, a terrific question, and 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 the reason it is a, is that it is such a mystery. By now, having been told over and over that I am a horror writer, and and having embraced that that definition when when I began, uh, because I really wanted, I wanted to write Henry Jamesy like ghost stories when 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 I first started. Uh, I I wanted them to be um, like chamber music, and then uh, I encountered Stephen King, and I realized you could you could really cut cut loose and jump out of, at, 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 at at your readers, and and be way more like Verdi than than like chamber music. So 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 I decided that one of my missions was going to be really to scare my readers as thoroughly as I could. And so I was very happy to be a, a horror writer. And then that definition clung, clung to me and has clung to me forever. It's indelible. And I don't really mind um, because I'm as much sad as, as, as anything else. So the whole genre thing is like a, a background buzz. It's like a heavy machinery you know, not always very pleasant to listen to, that, that, that is chugging away in the background, that ha- actually doesn't have much relevance to what I'm doing, mm. but, but, but which is, is p- part of the picture. Anyhow, I would be just as happy. I would be a little happier, actually, if, if someone were to pick some new w- work of fiction of mine and never utter the word genre or horror in 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 their review of it, but, but would s- simply respond to what is there, what's in front of them. If 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 it's if it's comic slash unpleasant, then you know say that. If it's if it's exciting, you know slash funny slash um, I don't know what else. You know if it's if it, if it's mythic in some way then say that but uh it 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 in some way is not a world away from even barbara pym you know mm. it's 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 always about people mainly in a room all talking about this and that getting in the cars going here and there having meals um, pl- pl- planning this terrible thing or this uh, k- kind kindly thing, and come come coming to either good or ill, um, is simply it's just fiction, you know. <laughs> and fiction is such a powerful, powerful entity that uh, that it sort of trumps everything else, um, as uh, as in, in in the way that I think about it, anyhow. Well, that, that's true of fiction, but it's not always true of readers of fiction because uh, I, oh. I, I know that this has been a problem uh, for, for you getting categorized that way. I mean, Crowley, it took Crowley decades not to be thought of as a science fiction writer, but people still thinking of him as a fantasy writer. And on the other hand, you have writers who, who have gestures and things happening in their fiction uh, which can be unpleasant in the way some of your fiction is, is unpleasant. I'm thinking of Brian Evanson, 
Oh, and God, I, yeah. and we've, we've both we've talked to both talked to Brian. Brian would be perfectly happy to be called a horror writer, but none of the literary reviews are willing to admit that he's doing some horror moves in his fiction. Yeah, well, they kind of do say say that uh, now and again, but in 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 in, in a way that that excuses him, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, that make it plain that that he's not one of those guys down in the gutter, down in the greasy pit, you know, that that he's rather more elevated and uh, that 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 his work is more interesting. Now his work is so idiosyncratic. Yeah, it's so unlike anything else. It is so astonishingly bleak that oh, yeah. uh, that you can't compare it to and, and anybody else. And it clearly comes uh, from from a certain way of seeing things. You know, from from a cast of mind and uh, right. what we could call a a, a vision. Uh, so no, nobody's going to. Nobody's going to say it isn't art, because it obviously is art. And uh, the, no, many many people uh, get get a brain freeze when they try to combine the word art with any word connected to genre. Um, for many many people, those things are incompatible. I mean, in a way, in the, and I've just uh, brushed off. Uh, one of the biggest chips on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I laugh. I laugh. I assure you, grimly. But you know, it's not. It 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 is true that for a lot of people, there is um, an immediate instinctive uh, learned response to uh, to this uh, question, and 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 it denies any real contact. But, between those two realms, I don't think. I think that's crazy. I th- I, I think it's silly, exclusionary, snobbish, um, blinkered, and, and to be quite frank, I think it's stupid. Um, it's stupid to respond that way in the face of so much experience uh, that proves. I think that's pr- that proves otherwise. Uh, well, we, we, we've, we've brought this up on the podcast before, mostly in relationship to science fiction and to uh, yeah. the Margaret Atwood problem and so forth and so on, yeah. which is exactly as you describe it. But on the other hand, there are writers who have established, I mean, ex- extremely established literary reputations, Michael Chabon being one of them, actually Doris Lessing being another, both of whom have told me they would love to have science fiction readers discover their work. Uh, they yeah, don't care right. if these genre readers get their grubby little hands on, on because they yeah, want all the readers they can get of all the different interests. They're good, grown-up, smart, smart authors. They're 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 not jealous little dweeby, uh, <laughs> creatures uh, clinging to whatever uh, ruins of pr- privilege they 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 might still be able to claim. They these are people who have. Um, Conquered vast uh, uh, degrees of territory. I mean, they 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 have staked their claim. People know who they are. They know who they are. They uh-huh. they have no reason to feel insecure at all. And probably Doris Lessing almost never felt insecure a moment in her life. You know, I think <laughs> no, she I, was I, very. I she, was, she was a person of astonishing conviction all through, and 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 and, and I think she acted. 
uh, with uh, real honesty, always. If you read those uh, pieces yeah. by Jenny Ditsky, I mean, that's breathtaking. Uh, the way... <laughs> I, I don't want to go in, in the detail be, no. because it would take too too much time. But here we have a person who is really entirely herself, 100% of the time, 24-7. Um, a person like that is not going to sit around and say, oh, gee, I hope nobody calls me a science fiction writer. Um, it's, no, it's too she, petty. She, she decided she wanted to take a whirl at science fiction. She had read science fiction. Yeah. She knew... Yeah. She knew Arthur C. Clarke. She knew Stapleton, and she was the one. One time, actually, she asked me why. Why don't the reviewers let her write science fiction? Because all the people who are reviewing her in the uh, Times of London and the New York Times are saying, "Well, this is visionary fiction." And even yeah. she said, "No, it's not." You know, <laughs> she and she even admitted it might not be very good science fiction, but it's an attempt at science fiction, and I want you to see that it's science fiction. Yeah, um, and there is her wonderful. A horror novel, the the fifth child. Oh, the fifth child is a classic horror novel. I yeah. I, I experience obscene satisfaction and excitement from ha- having read that. Be, be, it was so perfect, and it 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 it, it, it came from left field, wearing a boxing glove. You know, uh-huh. it was unmediated. Uh, unembarrassed. It was. It was exactly what it was. A novel about a monster child, and uh, d- delivered uh, with uh, real purity. I'm, I was. I was stunned. I was really pleased, actually. Yeah, and, and, and even with enough nuances here and there to permit reading it as a science fiction novel. There's stuff about. No, oh, she doesn't use the term retroviruses and so forth, but there's. There's there's the idea floated in the book that well maybe every once in a while some kind of archaic genetic code yeah. expresses itself and maybe the kid is a Neanderthal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. A- absolutely. If you care to see that in science fiction, Gary, I am going to give you a free pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and Doris would have too, I'm sure. So uh. Doris, Doris, I think Gary, you could count on it. Anyhow, it's not. It, it was really great that she uh, that that she did that. It was great that she felt that way. Um, let, let us think of uh, the contrast offered by Paul Theroux, for example, who um, who wrote one oh. science fiction novel that he thought was pretty crappy, and, and only he didn't want anybody to call it science fiction, did he? O- ozone? The ozone. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty awful. You remember? It was really terrible. He did that. Oh, John Updike wrote one called "Toward the End of Time," which I oh, think later in life he. Be- it was really awful. I mean, it's it was, it was, uh, it's, it's harder to do science fiction than some of these people think. Uh, yeah, and John Updike did it for reasons that I kind of like. He 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 just said to himself, "Look, I'm a man of letters. I owe it to myself to try to do at least one of everything." Uh, King Kingsley Amos made that bargain with himself a long time ago, and he he did that uh, really, really well. You know, he wrote he a great horn. He wrote a really good mystery novel, and he wrote uh, a, at least a couple of good science fiction novels. Well, um, the alteration was pretty good, and, uh, and he wrote a James Bond novel. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and, well, it's part the, of the problem. 
this side built as a murder and, and the, like the green man. You know, all that was. Oh, uh, yeah, the green man. That's great stuff. He was doing well, it's, it's part of the issue. Here's an, another issue related to genre because the other fascinating book that you did a few years ago was the uh, Library of America, two volumes set on American fantastic tales, in which you were more or less invited to invent the American fantasy genre as you saw fit. I know, I know. I wish I'd done it a little better. I, I, I did my best, really. Um, only it was uh, there was so much material. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very pleased with that book. Cause I, I sound like I'm apologizing, apologizing for mm-hmm. trying to take back some, <laughs> some of what uh, uh, I might uh, wish to feel about it. I'm very proud, proud of that book. But 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 I know also it's a, it's an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Um, there's too much good stuff, and there are too many really first-rate people that I simply didn't have enough room to squeeze in. I could oh, I yeah. could name from here from from now until the weekend, you know. And I mean, uh, oh, it almost is the weekend. <laughs> uh, from now through, through the middle of next week, and and not repeat a one. Uh, and all of those people, let's say for two 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 big uh, obvious examples, uh, Laird Barron and and Elizabeth Hand, those people deserve to have been in that book. They should have been in, but there wasn't room for them. However, I did do what I what the main thing I wanted to do, which was to show just how much good stuff to at least hint at how much really, really good stuff of that kind is available to us now. How flourishing right. the, the, the feeling, the, the, the feel that can widely be called fantasy, which uh, um, is largely horror, I think, in the way I've been defining it. Though horror as seen through the most uh, literary of lenses I mean, yeah. There's that uh, 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 story, P- Pat Moore, by what's Tim, his by name? Tim Powers. What's his name? Tim Powers. Tim Powers. I mean, Tim I, Powers I, story. It's I a love, terrific story. Yeah. It's, it's like the fact that Tim Powers' name just dropped through a sieve in my mind. <laughs> I'm I'm very very fond of Tim. I think he's really really good, and I think that's an astonishing story. It's unplaceable, you know. Yeah. A lot happens in that story, and it's it's hard to pin down, and it's a whirligig. Um, and, you, and you get an experience reading it that that is unrepeatable elsewhere. Uh, we 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 have a lot of st- stories like that around us now. Uh, I was, I was, my, my task was easier earlier in the, in, in, in the 20th century and in, in the 19th, because although there was tremendous, was a tremendous amount of good stuff and I was able to unearth and discover a lot of really, really good uh, writing that I'd never heard of before. It wasn't quite so abundant and it wasn't quite so overwhelming in, in its um, abundance um, John Clute said that in the end, I I had produced a very good anthology that, that, that amounted to very poor canon. 
and uh, I, I, I sell it, you know. If I had three volumes, I could have done better. <laughs> well, but, but, but the canon of what? I mean, the, the thing that strikes me in looking at some of the stories and some of those writers uh, is uh, that if you go back to, well, you go back to even Poe and Hawthorne, both of whom wrote literary fictions, uh, I mean, Poe wrote mysteries, he wrote science fiction, and he didn't write much supernatural fiction, but Hawthorne did. And then later, Fritz Leiber. And Fritz Leiber in the Pulp yeah. era was writing science fiction stories. He was writing comic, Fawford and the Grey Mouser stories. He was writing horror stories. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned yeah, sir. Uh, well, you mentioned Liz Hand, who started out with science fiction, has written fantasy, is now writing mystery novels. Uh, that seemed yeah. to be a kind of repertoire that writers had available to them. I'm wondering if maybe in the last few decades, science fiction and fantasy and horror have gone off into their own rooms and only talked to each other. There aren't that many writers who yeah, write across genres anymore. I think that's really true. Um, and I, I, I can't explain it. Maybe the fact that there are so few pulp magazines now and, and so few actual magazines of any kind that are willing to uh, publish hard fiction, uh, that probably has a lot to do with it. Because that that means there's a lot less impulse to write short, short, short fiction, unless you happen to be a writer like Jeffrey Ford, clearly uh, a, a you know a giant who um, who who was under internal pressure to to write a great number of sh short stories, and he, he he publishes them as he can and. Uh, it seems to me he, he he publishes nearly all of them because people invite uh, him him into their anthologies as they should. Um, but but and he's a, he's a good example of, of somebody who's yeah. Uh, Jonathan, didn't you persuade Jeffrey to write a science fiction story Abs for you? Absolutely, he, he's written uh, one or two for me, and he tends to be that kind of writer who's adept at, at just about everything. I am curious, though, sort of listening oh. to this part of the conversation, I mean, you're talking about writers not writing multiple genres as much as they used to, but is that because instead they've turned to taking elements from different genres and blending them into one thing? I, there, there was a certain amount of gravel in your voice there that uh, contributed Sorry. by the medium, ah. so I didn't quite hear that. Do you think it's that writers? Sure, yeah. Do you think it's that writers don't write across multiple genres anymore, or is it that instead they're taking elements from those genres and producing a combined genre blending, blurring kind of fiction? Yeah, I think that's probably it. Uh, um, that goes along with our friend Gary's uh, notion of evaporating genres. Um, and you. of uh, porous boundaries, um, it it makes sense that um, people would be adding different elements to to the same stew. You know, um, I think that's true. But I think, and I think that's true of the writers we admire. I think it's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gary. Oh, I was simply saying. I think that's true of writers that we admire, but when we look at uh, awards lists and uh, the was was it the Stoker Award nominations that were recently announced? Um, 
But sure it's, it's not important. If, if, by, by and large, if you look at Nebula uh, nominees and Stoker nominees and uh, World Fantasy nominees, <laughs> there seems to be a lot yeah. of withdrawing into your corner. Well, you're right, Gary. Um, I have a feeling that our voices are dropping out here and there. But I think you're right. Uh, that and, and down at the gut of the genre, there are people who, who, who aren't doing anything else but trying yeah. to yeah, reproduce uh, uh, the, the effects who, who read only themselves uh, and who are published in ever smaller and smaller journals read by ever f- fewer and fewer people. Um, this is kind of uh, uh, sad. It's, it's the reason that Stephen King told me years ago when the almost the one of the first times that he and I had 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 gone to uh, world fantasy conventions. He said to me, Peter, if I had grown up going to these things, it would have destroyed me, meaning, of course, that that would have turned him inward. Uh, so his 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 modeling would have been based on, only on the kind of writers that, that, that went to those things, whereas he, he, he drew upon a vast range of, uh, of writers that a lot of the people in, in front of us at that moment would, would never have dreamt of, of, of reading. Uh, this is one of the great problems, probably. Do you feel it's, it's critical and un, you know, unavoidable if you're going to write really good fiction that you bring material from the world around you and outside the genre into it, rather than relying solely on the genre as your influence? Absolutely. I think, you know, we are, we are writers first. Um, uh, there, there are people that I know who, who, who woke up one day at the age of 12 and said, I want to write stories like I see in those horror comics I read, and that's all I want to do. I really uh-huh. want to do that. Though. Um, however, uh, at least as many people see themselves as, as writers, they're, they're trying to write fiction first, uh, and, and, they, and they have read a great many other works of fiction. I mean, they... They've read Thomas Mann and and Thomas Wolfe, you know, yeah. um, uh, as 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 well as Fritz Leiber. Um, the more you can bring to the ma- material that is passing through your hands, the better your handling of that material is going to be. This is so obvious. That, that, that it should be evident to everybody. The more, the more any writer reads, the more any younger writer especially reads, the better he's going to be at his job. I think it's, 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 right. it's, it's so clear. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting when people talk about, when people within the horror field talk about your work, they often overlook Raymond Chandler or, or, or they overlook Henry James. But... What you're suggesting, which I agree with, is that some of the iconic writers in the field, Lovecraft in horror, possibly Heinlein yeah. in science fiction, and almost certainly yeah. Tolkien in fantasy, may have been 
inimical influences in that all people wanted to do was to write that. Yeah, and and it's not their fault, you know. Just they they had very very strong voices, and yeah. and were immensely uh, hugely persuasive at what they did. So that anybody like that is like a huge wave. It's just going to carry all sorts of little boats and swimmers along with it. Um, that 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 is inevitable. Every Raymond Chandler is going to uh, give birth to a guy uh, in Cleveland who's writing about a private detective with a sleazy little office in Cleveland, <laughs> and right, uh, yeah. and, uh, and set by a blonde who comes from Shaker Heights. You know, <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm it's, curious. It's built in. I'm curious, how, how important are non-literary influences to your work? I mean, you look at a story like Port Pie Hat, which is a major, major story, heavily influenced by jazz. Yeah. You know, do, do you find that non-literary work is as important to you as literary work when it comes to who you are as an artist? Um, all this really is about who, who I am as a person, I'm sure. Um, jazz has been of crucial importance to me, really, all, all, all of my life since I was, since my very early teens. And I, it would be extraordinary if I could keep it out of my work. If I were deeply, deeply in the sports, the way Graham Joyce was, that there, there'd be more sports in my work. However, my, Attitude towards sports is what, in in the Mister Club and Mister Cuff like story, I would call anathematic. <laughs> I have an anathematic <laughs> attitude <for> sports. <laughs> it's um, and I'm not, you know, I'm I've always been bookish. I'm I'm I love fiction. I buy books the way drug addicts buy drugs. I um. It's just uh, a, a reflex with me, and it's the it's 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 but by now deeply built in. So I'm far more inclined to deal with uh, the materials of fiction as filtered through other minds than I am through other things. Although, of course, I live in this world. I uh, I am affected by the politics of both the my, the city I live in, the country I live in, and the world I live in. And I am obliged to come to certain opinions, sometimes passionate opinions, about the directions I, I see us taking. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and the sorts of pronouncements and attitudes struck by uh, our glorious leaders. Well, you did um, not... I want, I want to stick with a jazz question for a moment because... You, you you did do something both in Pork by Hat and well elsewhere, most noticeably, I guess, in parts of Mr. X, where you're trying to capture the essence of a jazz performance yeah. in prose, which has to be yeah. one of the most difficult things to do, is to talk about music uh, it's and very, convey very the effect of that. Um, yeah. Ian Forster did a, a, a very good job, I, I think, in... Um, um, Howard's End, of describing a Beethoven's yeah. symphony about goblins uh, stalking the earth. Um, uh, I I have wanted now now and again to um, 
to try to represent the way that certain jazz performances made me feel. Um, uh-huh. I, 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 I felt that was worth doing, and, and it, seemed, it, it, was, it perfectly fit the moment in the book that, that I had reached. So I uh, I compared what the soloist was doing to to, to landscapes uh, in 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 Mr. X. Other times I simply reported the effect um, in in, uh-huh. in 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 Pork Pie Hat. The narrator says at that point I experienced what anybody uh, who hears a, a a great genius begin to play for the first time. Um, experiences the feeling that the world has just expanded, you know that there is more to the world than you had guessed. I, that's uh-huh. a that's a beautiful <laughs> effect of, uh, of 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 a work of genius experienced for the first time. Um, I don't know if I were to say, and he slid into the G minor uh, in in triad. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, I wish I could. I wish I could say, say say those things, but 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 they wouldn't actually mean much to most readers. It's wonderful to hear musicians talk talk in those terms, because when musicians talk talk in those terms, there's always a, a, a felt layer of experience in 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 in, in the way they do it. If if I were to do it, it'd be empty yeah because yeah i mean the, the whole the whole point of pork pie hat is where does this what lies behind this music uh, yeah the, that's the narrator, right yeah, you know, the narrator knows he can't get there's a wonderful story and jonathan didn't you buy this for eclipse of the kim stanley robinson story no it's not what's uh, the eclipse was in the in the best of kim stanley robinson the one about the oh, Ber- okay. berlin philharmonic uh it's, it's really? simply a it's simply a description of a performance, a real performance by the Berlin Philharmonic in 1938, I think. Mm. Uh, oh, boy. In, in which is description, you see all of Nazism sort of... You, you see resistance to Nazism implicit in the way it's conducted by Fritz Wangler, I think it was. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. He, 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 he had a bum rap, you know. Yeah. People probably wasn't. And there was a piece... The, the, the other piece of... You're talking about trying to describe the effects of music. There's a passage in one of Brian Aldous's main, his, his mainstream novel called Forgotten Life, in which there's a huh. character who is clearly Brian Aldous. In fact, all the characters in that novel are Brian yes. Aldous. <laughs> but one of them goes to a concert in London and hears Tina Turner for the first time. And oh. it's, it's stunning in what it reveals to us about, huh. about Brian Aldous's Libido, I guess. Libido, yes. <laughs> that would be foremost in his response. Look I don't think Brian legs. would mind oh. saying that. Yeah. Anyhow, who but can anyway. blame him? <laughs> Absolutely. It was pretty scary. There is one thing I wanted to ask as we sort of get towards the end of our allotted time. Um, oh. you ha- this is the first book that's come out in a little while. And I know you've had all kinds of health issues and everything else, which I'm glad to hear hopefully you're recovering from. Uh, Are we likely to see much more new work? What are you sort of doing at the moment? Uh, Well, I have been um, at work on a novel uh, for a long time now. Uh, It was been, it was, 
it has been delayed and sl- slowed down by the he- health issues that you 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 allude to. It was also um, interrupted by by um, the response of my pu- publishers, who who didn't um, who didn't take well. To, to a kind of exaggerated, uh, freewheeling, unfiltered version of what the book was going to be that, 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 that Gary also saw and uh, said mm-hmm. to me tactfully, you know, you're going to have to edit a lot of this out. <laughs> and and oh. it, 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 it was unfiltered. But, but the fact that my, my, my publishers responded negatively to it threw me off and and um it 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 kind of dinged my uh hull and i've been i've been trying to adjust to that i tried to they they, they had certain prescriptions that, that they wanted me to adopt and because i always want to prove to my publishers that i am unlike most other writers and i wish to be cooperative you know i don't want to be a jerk um, I, I always, I always say, okay, look, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll try to go along. And then I, a year later, I always profoundly regret that I made that decision <laughs> because it's, it always leads me into territory that isn't exactly 100% ungenial. So anyhow, all, all, all of this kind of material, all of this kind of stuff has slowed me down and, um, Little by slow, in the background, I'm I'm making notes. I'm 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 trying to piece together what 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 I want to uh, retain of the original conception. I have about 200 pages written, and it'll I have about 400 pages to go. Uh, the question is, what are those pages going to be about? <laughs> are the, uh, is Henry James going to appear at a, at a country house where he gets shot in the face uh, from a distance with, with, with a bird gun, or is he not going to appear? That's, that's one of our essential points. So if we pull our, our listeners, I'd, I'd be happy to... <laughs> Well, I, I, I know I have not. I know I've not been terribly helpful with you on this, Peter. What I think I actually said was, I'm not sure this is just one novel, and I still, to this day, insist that what I saw of the other novel, which may or may not be part of what ends up, I still want to see that stuff because all the stuff I saw was terrific. Well, oh. some of it was so funny. I mean, it was uh, the uh, the extent to which. Uh, the hypothetical author was simply um, uh, being thrilling himself with his own invention cannot be underestimated, and 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 that that way of proceeding is uh, is 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 useful be, because it does open up a lot of uh, material and 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 makes it possible to invent a great deal. But the, yeah. you know, then one one has to go in and uh, look at everything with a rather colder eye, and I've been doing that when I could bear to um, for you know uh, I hate to say it you know a year and a half two years, but in 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 part of those years and for a good 
spit all those years, I was w- w- lying in a hospital bed, uh, yeah. wondering, A, if yeah. I was going to keep my left foot or whether they were going to amputate it, as, as nurses kept gleefully telling me they would. Oh, <laughs> so they did not, just, I'm happy to say. But, just uh, to bring us back to... Just to bring, bring, us, bring back us back to, to interior Parker. darkness for for yeah. a moment, the uh, those readers who want to know what hospitals in New York are like should read Mr. Aikman's Air Rifle, which takes place in a hospital room in New York. The exact same hospital I was in, at least part of the time, and the exact uh-huh. same floor I was on. Uh, with some of the same nurses, though none of the other patients there uh, were actually present at the time I was there. <laughs> I'm happy to say, <laughs> yeah. And 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 yeah, finally, I suppose, since we are getting to the end, uh, I, my apologies in advance. But we're we're required, Peter. We're required by state law to ask if the final volume of the Talisman trilogy will happen. I certainly hope so. This uh, re- depends entirely on the patience of my collaborator who has demonstrated like supernatural patience all along because we were supposed to do that in this book like five years ago and he hasn't breathed an impatient or you know irritated word um, so I, I kind of hope he'll hang in there and when I'm done with this thing then I would gladly um, uh, be begin to work with him again because working with Stephen King is very different than working alone, it's 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 uh, it's rather brisker, as you I suppose you can imagine. <laughs> uh-huh. it, it is difficult to imagine him taking four or five years on a book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's none of that. And just quickly, taking four or five. And 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 you can't languish in hospitals either. I mean, that's that's that's, that's out. <laughs> and just quickly, will we see more short fiction? Do you feel? Uh, excuse me, I didn't hear that. Sorry. And just quickly, will we see more short fiction? Do you feel? Uh, I wonder that that uh, is, is something I I I never know. We will see if I'm asked to do anything that's particularly tempting, or if I'm struck by lightning, which is the best way <laughs> of uh, uh-huh. doing a short. I'm happy to say I have been struck by lightning now and again, and uh, it's, it's always uh, it, it takes your attention, you know, as you'd expect. Well, yes. with well, with that, thank you very much for uh, making the time to talk to us today. We really, really do appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm sorry I was uh, less inarticulate, less less articulate than I than I really ought to be. No, you were. You've been wonderful. So I fun- I fumbled along as well as I could. <laughs> and I guess to see you really, agree. if you like, at, at your most articulate, Interior Darkness is in the book, bookstores now, and we encourage re- you know, listeners to you know, go to their favorite out- book outlet and acquire a copy almost immediately. Well, I hope. That would be just great. <laughs> yeah. Really nice. Yes. Thanks, guys. No worries. And, Gary, as All always, right, I will talk to you next week. Absolutely, on the Good Street Podcast. Take care.